everyone, and welcome to this special podcast about the UCAT, formerly known as the UKCAT, and the BMAT. Now, these are the two big entrance exams that students must sit to get into medical school. Well, certain medical school. But we'll talk more about that shortly. Ultimately, for anyone listening to this podcast who might be in such a position, I want to describe what these tests are, and more importantly, what you should be doing right now about them. So I say now, so I'm recording this podcast at the Easter break, so just before the summer term begins, which personally, I think, is about the right time to kind of have these on the one's uh, radar. So as someone who has helped oversee the UCAS application process since the start of my career, a question that I often get asked is whether one needs to consider these entrance exams when filling in the UCAS form or whether they can start looking into them just after. And my answer is neither. It is much better to be prepared. So the earlier that you're aware of what they entail, the better. So here's the thing. Top A-level grades are a given for med school, you're looking at straight A grades, if not higher at particular institutions. They will already expect you to have some extensive work experience background. Now, in the podcast I made about my own medical career path many moons ago, I talk about the nature of work experience that they're looking for. Yes, hospital placements are good, but you can get just as much from volunteering at your local hospice. Remember, it's not what you've done, it's what you say you've gained from it, what skills you've acquired from doing it. So again, grades and relevant work experience are expected. You're likely to get great references from school. To be fair, if not, I'd question whether a professional medical career really is for you. And most candidates have plenty of extra and supercurricular aspects to their CV. So basically, what I'm trying to say is that the UCAT and BMAT scores may very well be the deciding factor. Obviously, there's the interview, but up until that point. Now, when you're up against people of the same high calibre as yourself, it's the scores that you get in these admission tests that might swing the vote in your favour. So let's start with the UCAT. It was the UKCAT, but they dropped the K bit uh, because the test is an international one. So the UCAT is the University Clinical Aptitude Test. It's the admissions test for medical and dental degree programmes at about 30 specific universities. There's no curriculum or science content. This one really is a simple test of mental abilities, attitudes and professional behaviours. It's a two-hour computer-based test, so you don't have to worry about sitting there writing for any great length of time. You're normally required to sit the test by, by roughly early October. Registration is actually open from May onwards, and the testing typically happens around July time. You can only, though, take the test once in any test cycle. Cost-wise, you're looking at around about 65 to maybe £87 uh, pounds a go. A bursary is available for this one, though, I should say. So which are the universities that require UCAT? As I've said, there's about 30 in total, all with different requirements. So I would absolutely uh, recommend going on the website of each individual university to get a little more detail about their own entry requirements and what it is that they look for from a medical or dental undergraduate. So wanting UCAT are the University of Aberdeen, Anglia Ruskin University, Aston University, the University of Leicester, Birmingham, Liverpool, Bristol, Manchester, 
Cardiff, Newcastle, Dundee, Nottingham, Durham, Plymouth University, the University of East Anglia, the uh, Queen Mary University of London, Edinburgh, Edge Hill University, Queen's University Belfast, University of Exeter, Sheffield, Glasgow, University of Southampton, University of Sunderland, Hull York Medical School, uh, the university where I personally went uh, back in the day, University of St Andrews, Keele University, St George's University of London, King's College London and the University of Warwick. That's quite an extensive list there. There are a small handful of non-UK associate member universities that you can also apply uh, to and they require the UCAT. So let's talk about what you can expect in the actual test. There are five subtests as part of the UCAT, so like five mini subsections if you like. Verbal reasoning will assess your ability to critically evaluate information presented in written form. So some questions assess critical reasoning skills and they require candidates to make inferences and draw conclusions from the information that you're given. So you'll need to read the passage of text carefully. You'll then be presented with a question or an incomplete statement and four response options and you're required to pick the best or the most suitable response. You'll only be able to select just one response for those. Now there are 44 questions and you've got 21 minutes to complete them. Now if you're thinking, wait a minute, that doesn't seem very long, then you're absolutely right. It isn't at all. Time is perhaps the biggest issue that candidates face. So do your prep, work speedily and pick your battles. Now by that, what I mean is, if you're taking a long time on one question, move on, leave it, just just move on. The decision-making subtest has 29 questions, but they're a little more generous here. You've got 31 minutes to complete them. So maybe move on to, to that particular section. Don't dwell for too long on one question, otherwise you'll just find time flies away with you. The idea behind the, the questions in the decision-making section are basically to quote... Assess a candidate's ability to make sound decisions and judgments using complex information. That sounds pretty straightforward. The quantitative reasoning section requires the candidate to critically evaluate information given in numerical form. So you'll notice with these with these tests, a lot of things I'm saying is critically evaluated. So you need a critical appreciation of the information that they're giving you. So this is the mathsy bit, basically. You've got 24 minutes to answer 36 questions. So that just leaves the two biggest subtests. Abstract reasoning, and that requires you to assess the use of convergent and divergent thinking to infer relationships from information. You've got 55 questions here, and you've got about 13 minutes. One, three, 13 minutes to do 55 questions. So you need to be quick. I mean, 55 questions in 30 minutes is, is quite a big ask. So you do need to be very quick. Basically, what this section is all about is your ability to identify patterns among abstract shapes where irrelevant and distracting material may lead to incorrect conclusions. The test, therefore, measures your ability to sort of change track, critically evaluate and generate hypotheses and requires you to query the judgments as you go along. Clocking in with 69 questions in total is the final section, and that's on situational judgment. So this part of the test assesses integrity, perspective taking, team involvement, resilience and adaptability. 
They are the kinds of questions that are used widely in medical and dental selection, including the selection of foundation doctors, dentists, GPs and other medical specialities. So it's worth paying attention particularly to that last section. Now at this point, I'd like to draw your attention to something written specifically on the UCAT website itself. Students always ask me about which books are best to buy to prepare or which course they should attend and put themselves on. For around about £30, you can probably find a suitable one that claims to have all the insider knowledge, uh, almost suggesting that they know what will come up and only they can help you preempt uh, that. Now, I do not endorse any of these courses at all, or books, or anything like them for that matter. You don't need them. You do not need these books, and you do not need to put yourselves on these courses. So what did it say on the official UCAT website that I was referring to? So it says this. Candidates should be aware that whilst there are many commercial companies publishing books and offering coaching for our tests, the UCAT consortium does not work with any of these companies or endorse the use of their materials. Taking advantage of these opportunities can get can cost candidates a great deal of money, and we would advise you to be skeptical skeptical about claims that they can help you do well in the test by coaching. Commercial organisations will be using items that are not necessarily of the standard you will encounter in the UCAT, and this may distort your performance while practising. Screen views may be different, and commercial organisations are unlikely to include the new item types which you may encounter in your test. They may not have updated their materials to reflect the introduction of the new decision-making subtest. Now for me, there were three really important statements there does not work, be sceptical about claims, and may distort your performance. If you really want to perform well, then just go to the official website where they have practice tests and questions. Basically, a large bank of official questions for each subject, plus timed practice tests, which mimic closely the testing experience. You'll also find an interactive question tutorial, which includes general advice on how to approach the test, as well as specific advice on how to approach each of the subsections that I've mentioned. So best advice, use their website, nothing else. Now let's consider the BMAT. This is a whole different ballgame. Before, you could only sit the exam after submitting your UCAS application, but the new test session in September means that you can now find out your BMAT score before applying to medical school. I would absolutely recommend doing this. Why? I don't, I don't understand. Why apply to a university and chance it? If you don't get a great BMAT score, you're possibly just waiting for a rejection. Take the test earlier. Take it as early as you can. And then you know exactly which ones will accept your total BMAT mark. You know what you're playing with this ultimately. BMAT is an admissions test for medical, dental, veterinary, and biomedical degrees. This one will contain science content, unlike the UCAT. In fact, what it tests is aptitude and skills, scientific knowledge, and written communication. Sadly, BMAT is a two-hour pen and paper test, and you're required to sit the test either early September or late October. The, the entry and deadline depends on which exam session you basically pick. You can only take the test once in any test cycle, like the UCAT, but on the plus side, it is a little bit cheaper. It comes in around £46. Again, universities asking for BMAT have different requirements, but there are fewer of them. The University of Cambridge for medicine 
vets have a pre-written test. The University of Oxford, and that's for the medicine and biomedical courses. Imperial College London for medicine. The University College London, UCL for medicine. University of Leeds for dentistry. Brighton and Sussex Medical School for medicine. Lancaster University for medicine. The Royal Veterinary College for veterinary medicine. The Lee Kong Chan School of Medicine in Singapore. And finally, the Leiden University in the Netherlands. BMAT consists of three sections. Section 1 deals with generic skills in problem solving, understanding arguments and data analysis and inference. Here you have 35 multiple choice questions, but you've got 60 minutes to complete them in. So slightly more generous than the UCAT here. Section 2 assesses your ability to apply scientific knowledge, typically covered in school science and mathematics by the age of 16. So, for example, we're talking about GCSE in the UK, IGCSE internationally. You've got half an hour to complete 27 multiple choice questions again. Now, section 3 is the one that most students dread. For this part, it really isn't that bad, but for this part, you need the ability to select develop and organise ideas and to communicate them well in writing, concisely, or concisely, concisely rather, apologies, and effectively. So in a nutshell, you're given one writing task from a choice of three questions and you've only got 30 minutes to complete it. So again, taken from the official BMAT website, I'd just like to make this point. Anyone offering a paid service to help you prepare for BMAT will have no more knowledge than someone who has read the information on our website and studied past papers. So whilst the student's performance at any test will improve with some familiarisation or practice, we would not advise anyone to pay for such help. There we go. Section 1 really depends on the individual. Questions are logical. They consist of problems that need solving. So perhaps they'll give you a list of names and you need to spot a pattern or an odd one out, for example. No one? I mean, it's up for a uh, debate, I guess. But no one, to me, no one can really help you with that bit. That's really on, on you, whether you see those kind of patterns or not. Section two is your scientific content. So yes, if you need a booster then use your teachers for support. But I'm presuming that if you're applying for medicine, dentistry, veterinary or biomed, GCSE content shouldn't really be an issue. If it is, be proactive and get support for that. Fill in any gaps in your knowledge there. It doesn't mean, so just to be clear, it does not mean, and I'm not saying re-revise your entire GCSE content, it means be prepared to show it off. The bit that you can get help with is section three. We can get help with all of it, but the bit that I think as in my role as a teacher, the bit that I can provide the most support with is section three. Use your teachers for support with this bit. There really is an art to answering the section three essay. So here's an example of a question you might get. There is money to be made from not curing disease. What do you think is meant by this statement? Argue to the contrary. To what extent do you agree that there is money to be made from disease? Now, that's quite an involved question. There's lots of elements to it. So here are my top tips for this section. Questions, like the one I've just read out, are often given in the form of opinions or quotations, and they're expressed as if they're, they were factual. You get to choose from three. So you should answer them by defining the statement or explaining what the statement is referring to. 
formulating an argument supporting and then opposing the statement. And then provide your own opinion on the statement only at the end. So be neutral for the whole essay, but only at the end give your spin on things. Your essay needs to be of good structure. It needs to be concise. It needs to be direct. It has to have logical flow of thought. Don't get too creative. You need to be more analytical and systematic. What you need to do is keep in mind that universities like, especially like uh, UCL, ask you about your essay interview. So make sure you remember what you write. That's really crucial. Make sure you remember what you're writing down. Spend about eight to ten minutes planning your essay, which may seem a lot to some, but really give yourself that length of time. That leaves about five minutes for checking at the end. It takes most people about 10 to 15 minutes to write their essay. Remember, you only have a total time of 30 and you need a decent plan to set you up for the rest of the time. So you're looking at writing it for about 10 to 15 minutes. Mark out on the paper the start and the end of each section so you know roughly where you're going to be writing to. Don't try to sound intelligent by throwing in confusing terms or phrases. Grammar does need to be spot on, but more importantly, use words like therefore, moreover, similarly, in contrast to, etc. to make it clear that you are confirming or countering an argument. Don't bother with this with my advice. Don't bother with diagrams. Do, on the other hand, use specific case studies to make your points. And the ones, the BMAT Section 3 essays that score higher are the ones uh, where candidates can actually draw on specific case studies to enhance their their essay they're drawing on background knowledge that they have so stay abreast of the news make sure make sure that you're just aware of particular medical issues especially because you're going to need an interview and they're going to no like no doubt question you on that but have some case studies that you might be able to draw on for this essay so if you're listening to this podcast and you are going to be sitting either the UCAT the BMAT or both then here's what you should be doing right now Continue to work hard in your A-levels, or IB if that's the course that you're following. That, I, I can't make that any plainer. The biggest mistake that you can make is to neglect them whilst revising for these tests. I have seen it happen so many times. Think about A, which courses you might be interested in, and B, which universities you might want to go to. Look at all of the entry requirements. You need to make a little spreadsheet of all the information that you find. Know what you are applying for. Visit the websites and download the resources. Try the past papers, then mark them as you go along. You'll start to notice patterns to the test, just like there are in any exam specification. And finally, these exams require individual prep, revision and effort. But school can support you though, especially with the BMAT section 3. So ask them, ask teachers to read over and mark your essays and give you feedback. I, for example, offer weekly sessions during the term time to go through the admissions test with students. So if you're in a school that doesn't offer that, try to set one up. But above all, relax. Getting worried and stressed about these admission tests won't benefit you in the long run. Remember, you are trying to ultimately sell yourself to these universities. If they don't accept you, with or without a great UCAT or BMAT score, then it's their loss. So you just need to remember that. On that note, I'd like to thank you all for listening to this special podcast.